Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Weird Al Yankovic launched his Bad Hair Tour 25 years ago today, promoting his similarly named album featuring parodies like Amish Paradise. I spoke with Weird Al about becoming the greatest song spoofer in music history. Mr. Weird Al, thanks for joining us. <laughs> My pleasure, thank you. <laughs> well, I know a lot of us can recite and sing a lot of your songs, but a lot of our listeners probably don't know sort of how, how you got started. You know, When did you actually learn the accordion, and what were some of your musical influences, either polka or otherwise? <laughs> Well, I, I took uh, three years of accordion lessons from age of seven to ten, so that's my formal musical training. Gotcha. Uh, and uh, I, I kind of got tired of learning, you know, polkas and uh, classical pieces because that, that's what that's what they teach you in accordion school. They don't teach you Led Zeppelin; it's all <laughs> polkas and things like that. Which you know, nothing wrong with that, but it's sort of like how cliche you play the accordion, so you're going to play polkas. Right. Uh, and I, I found out early on that my my friends didn't want me in their rock bands because they didn't see how an accordion would fit in. So I, I learned early on if I wanted to, like, <laughs> you know, make a name for myself, I'd have to kind of go go a different direction. Right, right. Did you listen to any, you know, satire, spoof stuff, like Zappa or any of that sort of stuff? Oh, huge. Yeah, I, I love right. Zappa, you know, uh, uh, SCTV and Monty Python. Uh, through the Dr. Demento show, I was exposed to people like uh, Tom Lehrer and Alan Sherman and Stan Freeberg and Spike Jones. So, yeah, I mean, I, I got exposed to a lot of stuff like that and made me think, like, yeah, I can do this. And you did. <laughs> you mentioned Dr. Demento. How'd you get, you know, A, get hooked up with them and on that show, and B, how'd you parlay that into your first album? Well, you know, when I first started out, I mean, this is a couple of decades before there was such a thing as YouTube, so there wasn't there weren't a lot of <laughs> options for a teenage kid uh, writing stupid songs with an accordion. And uh, Dr. Demento was the only person in the universe that would play that kind of stuff on the radio, so I would, I would record things in my bedroom uh, with a little tiny cassette tape recorder and uh, send it off to the Demento show, and, and um, you know, if he, if he thought it was good enough, he'd play it on the air. Um, so I got a lot of early exposure that way, and he gave me encouragement, and by the time I graduated from college, uh, I, I actually had a song that was popular enough, uh, My Bologna, that, that Capitol Records released it as a single. Oh, yeah, and that got the whole ball rolling. How did, take me back to, do you remember where you were when you actually penned those lyrics to My Bologna? Were you eating Bologna? <laughs> I don't think so. Where, where was I? Um, I, don't, I? I was in college. I think I was 19 years old, um, and I was a, a, a disc jockey at my college station, which is where the name Weird Al came from. It was sort of like my, my radio air name. Gotcha. Uh, and the knack was huge that summer, like every other request on the request line was for, for my Sharona. And, you know, my Bologna is not the <laughs> most uh, brilliant or creative <laughs> variation on the theme, but I thought, oh, that's, you know, 
that's funny. And I took my accordion across the hall uh, into the uh, uh, the bathroom where there was a nice reverb and acoustically perfect tiled walls. And uh, I recorded my Bologna and sent it to Dr. Demento, and that became a huge hit. That's hilarious. And obviously you put that on uh, your first what self-titled album was like 83, so that was on there. But you also had Take Me Into some of those other ones. It was I Love Rocky Road and another one rides the bus. You know, where where'd you come up with those? Well, it's kind of the same way. I mean, uh, another one rides the bus was uh, done live on the Dr. Demento show. I recorded it. Uh, I, I think I wrote it the day before I played it live for the first time on the radio and uh, we never re-recorded it. I mean, that live air check of that performance on the radio uh, became the master tape and it got bootlegged around the world. It went viral in days before things went viral. You know, I, and, I, and I was still in college. I was, you know, I'd, I'd go back, uh, you know, uh, to my apartment, and my roommate would say, "Hey, you got a call from a radio station in New Zealand. They want to know how they can get a copy of another one rides the bus." So it was kind of crazy. I didn't, I didn't have a record deal. I didn't have anything, and all of a sudden, I had this worldwide hit. That's fantastic. Now, obviously, uh, yours truly was born in '84, so I was like, you know, I wasn't really conscious for Eat It and all that stuff. I sort of <laughs> discovered them in hindsight and laughed my butt off. But the, my big one in my youth was Bad Hair Day, man. You killed it on that. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. Uh, where, how did you come up with Amish Paradise? What else was in there? Lump, phony calls, uh, the alternative polka. That that thing was. I played the hell out of that thing. <laughs> well, thanks, man. Yeah, um, uh, Amish Paradise was. Uh, it, it's still, you know, one of my big. Biggest, uh, biggest hits, and uh, uh, I just thought that was a fun idea because I, I was trying to think of what would be the most diametrically opposed to the gangsta lifestyle, and I thought, well, Amish, we'll talk about what it's like living in an Amish paradise. Do you have a favorite lyric in that? Is it churning butter once or twice, or Ezekiel, or what, what is it? Oh, it's hard, it's, hard, it's hard to pick. I mean, I, I like that song because it references everything from Gilligan's Island to Prince to Pulp Fiction. Only you could cover that gamut. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, well, there's so many others we could go through. Do you mind if we could just rapid fire a little bit? I'll give it a shot. All right, man. Eat it. Oh, well, you know, again, you know, <laughs> back in the day, I would go for the most obvious idea. And, you know, I thought, eat, you know, and I like to write songs about food, so eat it seemed appropriate. And uh, nowadays, I couldn't write a song like eat it because there'd already be 100,000, you know, eat it parodies on YouTube. Right. <laughs> but back in the, you know, back in the early 80s, I kind of had the feel to myself, so I could go for the low-hanging fruit. And Michael Jackson was, was perfect for it, as well as... For for fat, how about that one? Uh, same thing. I thought that was the logical uh, follow up to eat it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the, the first time I saw uh, Michael Jackson's bad video on TV, I, before the video was even over, I thought, oh, I've got to do fat. I can I could just visualize like being like eight hundred pounds and trying to get through the the subway turnstiles. It's just great, like a surgeon. Um, well, obviously my Madonna parody, um, <laughs> and uh, that that was actually from an idea by Madonna. She indirectly suggested it. She uh, apparently she was talking to a friend of hers one one day in in New York City and said just kind of offhandedly, "Oh, I wonder when Weird Al's going to do like a surgeon." And her friend <laughs> knew a friend of my manager's, and it got back to me, and I thought, "Oh, not a bad idea, Madonna. I think I will." And I, I got to do that video in an actual uh, hospital. It was actually a, an abandoned hospital that was mostly used for. Uh, uh, for for movie sets and and for for videos and things like that, uh, so it, it was nice. I got I got to uh, ride around on the floor um, for a music video, and I, I usually just do that for my own personal amusement. But it was nice to do it professionally. Uh, smells like Nirvana. 
Um, that was uh, 1992. Uh, I, I was very happy to do that song because I was, I was a big uh, Nirvana fan, and uh, I, I, I didn't think they would become popular enough to do a parody of. I thought, oh, smells like Teen Spirit. This is a great song. Too bad it's not going to be, <laughs> it's not going to be a big hit. And then when it went on to like dominate our entire culture, yeah. uh, I thought, well, now's the time. And perfect for you floating in the pool on the cover, and that was just great. <laughs> and we got, we got the same photographer that shot Nirvana's cover to shoot that cover. Oh, really? I yep. didn't know that. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, it's all about the Pentiums. Yeah. That was uh, yeah, my, my Puff Daddy parody. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was a fun one to do. We, we got uh, uh, Drew Carey and uh, Emo Phillips and a lot of fun people on that video. I kind of thought that was going to get a lot more attention than it did, uh, but it came out at a time when MTV was, by and large, stopping to play music videos, so it didn't get quite the traction that I was hoping for. And in fact, when I did White and Nerdy several years later, I was thinking, well, this is sort of like treading the same kind of territory, so I'm not sure if this is going to do that well. And then White and Nerdy wound up being my biggest hit ever. So it, it, it's all about the timing. Yeah, it, my, my nerd culture stuff, you know, it, it's got to hit at the right time. <laughs> Why do you think that was? So like you said, Pentiums was like, you know, as MTV was winding down, but then White and Nerdy was like 06, and that took off. Was it because the internet, you know, wasn't bi as big as it was in 99 for Pentiums? And then... I, I think there was a tipping point for nerds, quite frankly. I mean, you know, uh, it, it was about, you know, around 2006 when I think the whole world collectively said, hey, you know, nerds are actually kind of cool. They make all the fun toys, all the shiny fun things, and, right. and they kind of rule the world. Why were we making fun of them all this time? You know, it's cool to be a nerd. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, people were like bragging about their nerd cred, which is something that I never heard of in high school. <laughs> You, nerds you, were the people that got beat up at recess. You, you, know? you wish it existed back then. Right, right. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, right about the time the White and Nerdy came out, uh, I think there was sort of a tipping point for, like, nerd empowerment. All of a sudden, all the nerds were coming out of the closet and saying, yeah. Yeah, you got all the conventions and Big Bang Theory. Yeah, it's true. It's, a, it's around that time, yeah. Um, all right, and which brings us back around to, to your latest one, Tacky, which, of course, was happy and word crimes blurred lines. I feel like those got some more, more play than a lot of the old, old ones, even. Like, that was huge. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, my, my newest album was my, my highest charting album ever. It was the number one album, which kind of blew my mind. And uh, ostensibly, uh, it's the biggest album of my career, so I'm, I'm real happy about that. Uh, we did the eight videos in eight days promotion, which kind of kind of dominated the Internet the uh, the week the album came out. And, uh, yeah, it did, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of blown away by the whole reaction to it. Exactly. And, and, and if, if there's anyone out there that sort of would try to write you off as, you know, someone silly, you know, spoofing songs, you've got four Grammys, man. You're laughing to the bank. <laughs> Tell me sort of how it's sort of like a serious art, because it is, you know, it, it takes some really genius to write that stuff. Well, well, thanks. I mean, you know, there, there is some craft involved in it. I mean, um, my detractors say that, oh, my, my five-year-old kid changes the words to songs, and, right. you know, certainly that's not all that I do, and, and you know, it's, it's, it, it's hard to do do it well and do it consistently, and, uh, you know, it, it takes a lot of uh, talent to do songs in all sorts of different genres, and I, I, I credit my band with that. I've had, I've had the same band since the early 80s, uh, and, and they're, they're able to do every genre imaginable. So, it, it, you know, that, that's really the secret to my success is I surround myself with very talented people. That's awesome. Uh, before we go, got to ask you about UHF. Talking about surrounding yourself with talented people. Thanks. Yeah, I got to work with a lot of really uh, wonderful people, and uh, uh, that, was, that was really a blast. I mean, we 
we uh, we really enjoyed making UHF, and unfortunately, uh, it didn't do that well at the box office. But it went on to become a what they say is a cult classic. It you know kind of found its audience uh, on cable TV and on and DVD and UHF and or VHF and Blu-ray. Um, and and you know there are people that are obsessed with it. I mean, they've seen it like literally hundreds of times. It's sort of like the Rocky Horror Picture Show for some people. Uh, what's next on the horizon? You noodling any others? Any any songs on the radio now that are, could be prime for your, the Weird Al treatment? Honestly, <laughs> I haven't been very proactive about coming up with new material. I'm going to wait till I get off get off the road. Uh, and then I also I'm also working on a few other uh, projects, some various uh, things which I'm unfortunately not at liberty to talk about. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it'll it'll happen eventually. I'm just not you know I'm I'm not pushing it and I'm not rushing it. So it'll happen when it's the right time. There's no uptown skunk or anything like that. We got <laughs> not, not not currently no. Awesome Weird Al, thanks so much for joining us. It was a pleasure. It's my pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.